This is Thursday, July 22nd. Last year, I was in the Florida Keys boating and fishing offshore with a friend. It was a windy day and the seas were rough, but we braved a trip to a reef a few miles out offshore. Now, despite the water being a bit cloudy, it was a beautiful place. Here's what happened. As soon as we put a fishing line in the water, fish swarmed from every side. It was shocking how many fish there were. So many places have been overfished. And it is very unusual to find a place like this. The seas were so rough we didn't stay for long, but the reef was so filled with life that it left an impression on us. The next day I looked at one of the charts and discovered why the fishing was so good. We were on a protective, protected reef. Fishing is illegal there. <laughs> wow. Then it made all kinds of sense. Now, if a fish and game officer had caught us fishing there, I'd have had a good explanation. We had no idea that fishing was prohibited. But I also know that the game warden would tell us that ignorance of the law does not excuse us. A law is a law. It wouldn't matter that we didn't know. Now let's stop to think about that. How could it be that ignorance of a law doesn't matter in a case like this? This understanding arose from the idea that law fundamentally comes from the Lord, that moral laws, right and wrong, are as fixed as physical laws, well, like gravity. You see, ignorance of gravity doesn't protect the falling toddler any more than ignorance of God's law somehow excuses us from sin. So how did God handle ignorance of his law? or moments when the law was broken unintentionally. Here's our text for today, from Numbers chapter 15, verse 22 to 26. But if you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments that the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by Moses from the day that the Lord gave commandments, and onward through your generations, then if it was done unintentionally without the knowledge of the congregation, all the congregation shall offer one bull from the herd of a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering, according to the rule, and one male goat for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for all the congregation of the people of Israel, and they shall be forgiven." Because it was a mistake, they have brought their offering, a food offering for the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their mistake. And all the congregation of the people of Israel shall be forgiven, the stranger who sojourns among them, because the whole population was involved in the mistake. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? God addresses moments like this, times when we don't know, when we make a mistake. Notice that God never sets aside his law. He doesn't tell his people not to worry about it, that it doesn't matter. The people must make a sacrifice, in this case a burnt offering. Indeed, this sounds exactly the same as the sacrifice that must be made in case of an intentional sin 
as the book of Leviticus reminds us. Now you may think, oh, come on. Doesn't God ever give people a break? I mean, if they make a mistake, can't God just overlook it and the people move on? No, he cannot, and he will not. Listen to the way the Lord describes himself to Moses. This is Exodus 34, 6-7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. Yes, God will not clear the guilty, even those that sin unintentionally. You say, why not? Well, he can't. He is holy. And he created the world in the light of his own character. Again, His moral law, right and wrong, are as indelible as the physical laws that govern our world. Now, some people would say even more permanent because the character of God is older than our world and God himself is unchangeable. He can and does, of course, make a way for forgiveness. So both of these are true. God can't turn a blind eye, but he is a God of grace and he provides a way for people to be restored. Now, usually human beings fail on both accounts. First, we act as if sin is no big deal. It doesn't mean that much to us. But then, also, we do not provide a way of forgiveness and restoration. You see, God is more holy and more loving and forgiving than we are. This truth comes into the clearest focus in the person of Jesus, the Son of God. His purpose for coming into our world was to solve the sin problem, to restore our fellowship with God. He came because God cannot clear the guilty, and also because the Lord is gracious and compassionate. The mercy and judgment of God meet at the cross in the person of Jesus, and we can rejoice that mercy triumphs over judgment. Because of Jesus, we have life and forgiveness. Now, somehow I think that if that fish and game officer had come by that day, he wasn't going to make a way for our forgiveness. He was going to issue us a citation. But isn't it beautiful about God? His character, his holiness, is always a part of of our world and can never be set aside. And yet, at the same time, God provides a way for forgiveness, for healing, and for restoration whether we're intentional in our sin or whether we do it by mistake. Let's pray together. Lord God, we would love to think that most of our sin is unintentional. Just a mistake we've made, but we know this is not true. We're rebels at heart. We want life our own way. And we thank you that your mercy and love are great enough to provide a way to life and forgiveness. Loving Father, forgive us for what we have done, what we have left undone. Restore us that we might be whole. Return to us the joy of our salvation and give us a willing spirit to sustain us. For we pray in the name of the one that rescued us, Jesus our Lord. Amen.